I wanted to just share from my heart a little bit before I start my message, even though my message is from my heart too. But, you know, I, a lot of times I, you know, I come to a church and, and then, you know, I don't see people for a while. I come back and you see different things. Sometimes you, I come back to a body and I feel like, yeah, they haven't really moved forward. You know, they're, they may be, but I haven't seen that. You know, it's like when we don't see um, somebody for like, a, you know, one of our kids or grandkids, you don't see them for a while. And then all of a sudden you see them. It's like, oh, my God, they've grown. Oh, my, you know, you, you really see that. And, and sometimes when you're there with them every day, you don't really recognize it. And so one of the things that I want to share, and, and some of it's not, it's not tangible. It's not, you can't just put your finger on it, but I feel a growth in this body, uh, a depth, like roots have gone down deeper in the Lord, that there's a, there, there's something, you know, that, that has happened in this past year in this body that's good. Amen. It's good. And I really want to commend you, you know, because you could have just stayed the same. Amen. But you didn't. And and I really see it. I see it. I can feel it in the spirit. Amen. So I just really want to encourage you all. And I believe that you're really on the right track in just a lot of areas. And uh, this, the message that this is kind of a different message for me. And um, I knew it was the Lord because I was I was telling Apostle Julie this morning, we were actually at the beach on our, our it was our anniversary weekend. We've been married 32 years, and we had taken off, and I did not want to have a thought. Have you ever been there? I didn't want to think about ministry. I didn't want to think about family even. I didn't want to, I didn't want to think about me. I just wanted a brain break, amen? And so we were out on the beach just watching the way, if a thought tried to come, I would say, no, 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 no. You know, I don't want to have you. I just, I just want to chill. And all of a sudden the Lord asked this question and I knew the question was a message. Amen. So my question for you today, and I felt like it was a message to bring here. And yet I said, Lord, this is a real kind of different message than I normally preach. And in some ways, it's very evangelistic. Okay, you hear that word? It's, it's evangelistic. And, um, and a lot of times I tend to preach more maybe apostolically, prophetically, but this was very evangelistic. And I didn't know, I love the way the Holy Ghost works. Because I didn't know that your pastor just last week felt like God was really speaking to him about really launching and releasing in areas of evangelism, okay? So you really need this talk this morning, okay? Because sometimes we wear the wrong stuff, okay? And so I want to ask you today if you're wearing sinner repellent, okay? Because if you're wearing sinner repellent, Evangelism is difficult, okay? And sometimes we get our, our sprays mixed up. Have you ever? I've put some strange things on my toothbrush at times. I, I hate to admit it, but, you know, you're just, I'm off in the spirit. I'm praying for something. I grab something. I, oh, you know, I'm not even going to tell you some. Yeah, yeah. And so we can grab the wrong spray, Okay, and so 
we're really supposed to wear sin repellent, right? We are, well, our lives are to repel sin, but they're not supposed to be lives that repel sinners. So sometimes we're spraying with the wrong spray. We, we've grabbed the wrong bottle. And so if we wear sinner repellent, we don't draw people to us because it's, it repels. Amen. Like a bug repellent should repug, you know, repel the bugs, not d- draw them to you. Amen. So I want to talk a little bit about what sinner repellent looks like. Okay. Jesus did not wear sinner repellent. Okay. And we're going to go to the scriptures and see that he was, he, this was not his uh, fragrance of choice. Amen. So I'm going to put it here so you can just look at that. And, um, I want, I want you to turn with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter 23, because we all have to be careful careful of this as we are in the body of Christ for any length of time I've seen people who are born again maybe two years that has the worst religious spirit because somehow they caught it okay I also find that a lot of times the most wounded people are the most religious people and it's very important our healing helps us to stay spiritual and not be religious You know, when you look in in the Bible, the only people Jesus ever called a name, gave them a hard time, threw them out of the temple, the only people he did that with were the religious. The worst sinners he drew to himself. Amen? But the religious... He got after him. And hear my heart. I'm not saying you guys are a religious body. Um, I'm not saying that. But we got to examine in our own lives sometimes where we might be getting a little sinner repellent. Sometimes it's just because of who we just hang out with all the time. You know, I've found in my life there's been some times where I end up wearing a little sinner repellent just because I'm not around him. My activities aren't around them. And I, I have to look sometimes and say, okay, how do, how do I connect? Okay. Now, young people, I want you to hear me. Because there is also very strong scripture that says bad company corrupts good character. You want to remember that. So I am not giving you license to just hang out with bad people. Okay. Because they will corrupt your character. The, I'm, I'm just going to, it's not about befriending, it's not, but it is about what is drawn. See, Jesus, really, you could say he didn't hang out for sinners long, because what, once they got around him, they became believers. So if you're hanging out with a sinner too long, and you already haven't brought conversion in their life, move, move on. Amen? Because now you're fellowshipping with sinners, and that is not what the Lord has called us to do. Amen? So we have got to look at our life, okay? So Matthew 23, chapter 1, says this, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. 
Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. Amen? For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogue, greetings in the marketplace, and for people to be called by man, rabbi, rabbi, but you do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbled himself will be exalted. And then comes an extremely powerful scripture. It says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So when you think of how powerful of a statement, think of how powerful the kingdom of God is. And yet we can shut it up to men. You know, the Bible says, lift up your heads, O you gates. We are the gates that the king of glory may come in. And we can literally shut heaven up for someone by how we are responding. You know, sometimes we put too heavy a burdens on people too quick. You know, they start feeling judgment right away because they don't know how to talk Christianese and they don't know how the right things to do and you know, and, and we've got to, we've got to be prepared. I was saying, we've got a young man who just started, uh, was a heroin addict just probably eight weeks ago, had never, he's about, probably about 36, wouldn't you say, just, uh, Michael, had never been into church in his life. Never been in one. He's born again now. They, they've been clean. God is working on them, but they know nothing. Amen. And if we start putting heavy burdens on them improperly, guess what? That can shut up the kingdom of God. And sometimes when we've been in church, raised in church, around church, what we take as so normal to somebody else, you know, and I'm one that's pretty sensitive to that because I was a heathen until I was 29 years old. I was a real heathen, okay? I was... You know, I live all out for the Lord. Well, I was, I didn't know I was living all out for the devil, but I was. Amen. And so I remember when I first came to church, if you're going to evangelize, sometimes we got to look at what we say, how we speak, how we educate, how we help people to understand. I remember I started this church and again, didn't know anyone in the church. So I had no one explained things to me. And I remember I went for probably a good seven months and kept trying to figure out these people were always there early when I got there and they had this thing called Sunday school, but I could ne- I never, I never saw in the bulletin when you could sign up for a semester. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not, I never, nobody ever explained to me that anybody could go to Sunday school. I never saw a registration, you know, 
And I didn't feel comfortable enough asking, like, when does Sunday school start? And they would have probably said, like, 9 o'clock in the morning. And I, because any school I had ever been to, you had to register. There was semester, there's quarters there. I had no idea that Sunday school meant that there was a class before church. No idea. Okay? I remember, and I, I had moved, moved, and I started this other church, and they used to have this thing, and it was called intercessory prayer intercessory prayer i had no clue what intercessory prayer was would have never didn't know this was just a church prayer meeting okay and they always called it intercessory prayer and so i had no idea couldn't quite figure out what this thing they did and i would have never dared show up to intercessory prayer okay because I had no idea what it was nobody nobody explained it to me later on when I found out I'm like I could have been at prayer meetings I could have learned how to pray I I could have been in Sunday school I could have learned more about the word no clue you know until finally something would happen and then and I remember when I came into I had no clue I finally ended up after a few years, I ended up praying with these ladies and got this spiritual mother who kind of knew her way around the kingdom because I didn't know who was who. <clears throat> they would be talking about people, you know, major ministers. Now I know they're major ministries. And I'd be like, now who are they? What are they? You know, and we have to realize that if we're going to evangelize, these people don't know what we know. And we can't talk to them like they just know what they know, you know. We've got to explain things. We've got to help, you know, help them understand things. We've got to be able to have grace as people come in. Sinners are messy. I was messy, okay. You know, I there was a lot real messy about me. I mean, I had a I my my vocabulary was like a truck driver. And even after I got saved, I got saved and I got instantly convicted of, of using the Lord's name in vain. But I thought a lot of my other vocabulary were adjectives. Okay? It was adjectives to me. It was a way to express myself. Okay? And so I, I could have said something, you know? Now, this was really bad because I was, um, and I thank God now that he did it, but my brother and I, I was, I had an interesting life. I was a counselor during school, I, school periods because I worked with problem kids in the school, but when I wasn't counseling, I was laying stone to make extra money, okay? And um, long story, I don't have time to go into that, but that's how I messed up my back, a good part of it. But... So I was a stonemason, so I would like fireplaces and house fronts and do all of that kind of stuff. But this one guy had started, my brother was going to school working with us. He came and this guy wanted to learn how to lay stone. And so I agreed that he could come on the job, so I was going to teach him. And then we, he actually started working with us. And um, so it was my brother, Marty, and I. And so I, unbeknownst to me, he, he was a Christian. And he had started praying for me and my brother. And I had this other a custodian had started praying for us. So I 
have this encounter with God on the side of the road and everything. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to, you know, churches up. But before this, he, Marty says to me, he said, if, if, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be on the job and stuff, he said, you have to start wearing a bra. And I'm like, a bra? I said, you go out and lay stone in 90 degree heat with a bra. And then you come and talk to me about it. Amen. I hadn't even owned a bra since the 70s. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just trying to tell you where I was when I got born again. Because you're going to have some of them come in here. If you guys really do this press of evangelism, you're going to have some of me's in your church. And they may drop a few words that you haven't heard in a long time. And they may not know they're supposed to wear a bra to church or what, what, what they're supposed to wear. And so, and I, you know, so finally we, we, you know, we kind of compromised and I, I finally found a sports bra and they were just starting to come into things. I was like, Oh, I mean, I was so thing. Then afterwards, I was so, once I started church. Then I was so glad I had known I had one, so I could I, that I wore to church. So I was a good girl, and I didn't come braless to church because I'm sure that would have freaked out a few people. But maybe not that much for me. But that's another story. But I'm telling you, people, when they're lost, they're lost. Okay. And when they get saved, they don't get an instant download on all the church protocol, all the thing, things, how we do things, how we talk, everything. They don't have that. And we have to be aware of that. Amen. Because if not, I thank God I had the strangest person to begin some of my discipleships. And that was this guy on the job. And I realized, I normally you would say, you know, a woman needs to disciple a old. If I'd had an older, nice Christian lady, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been pretty. Amen. But I had this guy who would just kind of slap me inside the head with scriptures and stuff and bam. And then, and you know, and that's where God started me. Now, eventually he got me some of those nice church ladies and they helped me and they ministered to me and different things. But in the beginning, it would not have even worked for me. God started before I ever even made it to a church. But we can wear all kinds of different sinner repellent. Amen. And so... I thank God, you know, as God began to move me through things, he brought me in a way I could go. Amen. And sometimes we try to take people in ways they're not able to go. And we've got to get, we've got to get sensitive if we're really, and I, I felt like this was something for this body, but I really believe it's something that he's wanting to move in the body of Christ because we have to get sinner friendly. We talk about being seeker friendly, but we have to get sinner friendly in a way if we're going to bring them in. Now, they're not going to be sinners long, just like when they came in contact with Jesus. They weren't sinners long, but how, how do we handle them? How do we feel about them? Do they make us kind of turn up our nose a little bit, you know? And it's just amazing how some of us who've been like the worst sinners can kind of get our little noses out about people and how they 
look, how they act, how they talk, how they live their lives. And I didn't know any better. It was all I knew. And so I thank God. God knew me, and he knew my heart. So religion is a sinner repellent. Hypocrisy. Jesus is talking about hypocrisy in that chapter. Hypocrisy is a sinner repellent. In Mark 7.13, let me just go there real quick. Mark 7.13, it talks, talks about tradition. It says, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. Tradition is a sinner repellent. Amen? Because there is no power with tradition. Okay, there is no power with tradition and it is and sinners need power. I needed to see power and God moved just supernaturally the power of God in my life before I ever found a church. Amen. He moved powerfully in my life. He delivered me of alcoholism. I mean, just like that right after I got saved, never drank again, never had a desire for it. And I'd been drinking since I was 15. So. He, 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 he showed me power. So people need to see the power of God moving. Amen. Moving. It's, 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 it's so important when you think about it, just think religion can shut up the, 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 the kingdom, which is so powerful. The Bible says the word is living and powerful. And yet, listen, we got to hear this. Tradition will make it basically null and void. So how how wicked is tradition? How powerful is tradition? And let me just say this. We can get prophetically religious. We can begin to adapt our own church traditions. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have a church culture or things like that. But we've got to... Sometimes step back and examine and say, what are, what are we doing and how is this impacting and affecting? If we want to reach out in evangelism, how, what and how are we doing that's going to facilitate that and what and how are we doing that's going to block that? Even though we've always done it. Even though it might have even been good for a season. Some things are good for a season, but then they become tradition and we're doing it because we did it and we've always done it and we get into human habit and we do it and it it stops up the power of the word and the power of God. Amen. A lack of compassion repels sinners. When we do not have compassion, Jesus always, we, we talked about that because of the atmosphere that miracles how did that phrase go in that song miracles can happen now miracles can happen now without compassion miracles can't happen in the bible whenever before jesus did miracles almost every time before it it says and he was moved by compassion and sometimes sinners are messy. They're messy. Their families are messy. Their lives are messy. Sometimes, I mean, when you bring sinners in, you got to roll up your 
slaves and do some things. You got to meet them where they're at. We're having to meet this couple where they're at. Oh, we had some people get real. Again, they're not married. Okay. Heroin addicts off the street. They were in terrible condition in their house. And, but his wife is in prison and he hasn't been able to get divorce papers. Their heart is to be married. They want to be married. And we felt the worst thing we could do for them right now was to tell them, you got to go live over here. They, it would, they couldn't have done it. It would have been a burden heavier than they could bear. And we had people like, we had some couple of religious people were like, and, and they helped them get a house and they're not even married. And they got, and they were getting jealous of the help. You know that older brother syndrome, syndrome in the, with the prodigal? Because the prodigal, when he came home, we actually had this one man. He started getting jealous because we were helping him so much. And saying, well, you know, they're just heroin addicts. They're just, they're just lying. They're just, and they're not. They're really, we've been around them. They have a genuine heart. They're doing things. And we helped them get this place because their heart is to get married. And their heart and our heart is to have a, a beautiful wedding and help them do that. They love each other. Okay? Now, we could have been religious with them. And you, sometimes it's hard. It's like, okay, God. But we felt very strongly. God said, no, do this. Help them. The other would would push them away from me and bless them, love them, and marry them as soon as you can. It's like, okay, God, we're on it. Amen? And so, you know, what kind of burdens do we put on people? What kind of compassion do we have? So Jesus did not wear sinner repellent. Amen? He did not wear sinner repellent. So we're going to just look at a few scriptures. In Luke 15, 1, it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Tax collectors at that time were not the nice people. Okay? They, they, they not only collected taxes, they collected unfair taxes. They used heavy weights. They used a lot of um, uh, heavy pressure to get people to have to give them money. And it says, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Amen. And then after that, he gave them several parables. So they were judging because Jesus had contact with sinners. Let me give you a clue. You cannot evangelize people unless you have contact with sinners. You, you, you can't. There's, there's no way. You can't sit on one side of a bridge and have them over here and say, come over, come over. I'm going to stay here, but come on over. Okay? Come on over to our land. No, you have to go to their land. And you have to live a life where sinners are drawn to you. I had, again, it was just a little thing, but I knew I had planted seeds. I I was telling Apostle Julie, on the plane, lady sitting next to me, she was sleeping most of the time. I was sleeping. We didn't, we kind of hide each other. And then about, I think it was about four or five o'clock in the morning on the flight. I wanted to get up and stretch. She decided she was going to go to the bathroom. We end up in the galley for about, you know, that place in the middle of the plane where you can walk through either side. It's right in the middle. And we have the most amazing conversation for about 30 minutes. 
And she, be, I don't even know how we got there, but, but she began to, oh, I know, we got there because of Josiah. She said, you know, I told her that it was my grandson, and she said, he is just so respectful and just such a nice young man. And I said, I know. I said, I'm so blessed. I talked about grandkids, and she said, you know, I'm afraid to have kids. She said, I, I want kids, but I'm afraid to have kids because just in society, and I just be, was able to minister to her about you know, how you can raise kids with values and just, just different things and found out her parents had owned a bar. She had been very neglected, began to teach her different things about trust. Then she pours out her heart about she's got a friend who has repressed sexual memories that have just come back about her dad molesting her. I'm able to help her about that, give her understanding. This is all 30 minutes in the galley, you know, and then when it lifted, it lifted. It was done. We went back to our seats and think, but I, she didn't know it, but Jesus was ministering to her. Amen. And I didn't have to right then say, do you want to give your life to him? I just had to give her a taste of him. I know I gave her some things to think about, some thoughts, some, and it wasn't like I didn't talk about God. I said, you know, my grandkids have been raised in the church. They're raised around values, different things. And I know I planted seeds. I don't know who's going to water them, but I know I planted them. And she was drawn. Amen. She was drawn. You don't just start having those kind of conversations with someone you've never met before at four in the morning in a galley of an airplane. Amen. Thank you, Lord. In Mark 2, 15, again, Jesus is out. Here he's at with another tax collector, okay? He saw Levi there sitting at the tax office. It said in verse 15, Now it happened as he was dining in Levi's house, here it goes again, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciple, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Amen. And so he was eating with them. He fellowshiped them with them. You know, there's sometimes... We can almost get so religious or things. If a sinner wants you to have you over for dinner, it's like, I don't know if I want to go to their house. I need to get them come to my house. Or I, you know, and, and if we don't, if we're not confident enough in our spiritual walk, in the Holy Ghost within us, that we think everybody's devils are going to jump on us, we, we need a readjustment. Amen. Amen. I've had people say, you do so much deliverance. Aren't you scared that, you know, some, and I said, if those devils in them are going to jump on the Holy Ghost in me, they're the ones who are going to have the problem, not me. Amen. I'm not going to have the problem. Amen. Because I know the Holy Ghost who lives in me. Amen. So, um, I like to, in, 
Luke 19, I like to call um, Zacchaeus, I like to call him the sinner in the tree. Amen? He was a sinner in a tree. It says, Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Amen? And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not see because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So I identify with this guy, this guy, okay? And it says, so he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree. That's how we get a sinner in a tree. To see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place and looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Jesus didn't mind going to a sinner's house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. He wasn't like, oh, God, this religious guy wants to come to my house. No, he came down, ran down, and he received him with joy. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Now, I don't know where he got fourfold. He hadn't been church because we would all said tenfold, right? But he said fourfold. Amen. And Jesus said to them, today salvation has come to this house because he is all, he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, again, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen. Just so you know, the Jesus in you, the Jesus in you, Yes, he loves to worship. The Jesus in you, yes, he loves to pray and intercede. But the Jesus in you also wants to seek the lost. He wants to seek the lost. That's why when we, have you ever won someone to Jesus? Isn't it joyful? Isn't it the best thing in the world? Isn't it amazing? Because why? Because all of heaven rejoices when one of these gets saved. Amen. There was such joy in the house that day that Michael gave his life to the Lord. Amen. And so it was, there, there's something so special about it. And yet, how many times do we kind of avoid it? Well, I don't know really how to lead someone to the Lord. I've never really led someone to the Lord. Um, I What if they reject me? Well, you know. The Jesus in you, if you'll let him loose, he will draw sinners to you and he'll give you how to meet them, how to witness them, you know, and you don't have to have like a piece of paper and just run down a thing. All you have to do is start telling them all about what Jesus did for you and let, let the love of Jesus pour into them and they're going to be drawn to it. Amen. We can't, a lot of people are scared of evangelism. And we've got to get over that. I mean, some of my greatest stuff has been able to lead. Like, I, two things I love, leading people to the Lord. And then I love getting people baptized in the Holy Ghost. I love to get people and give them that power of God, you know. And the best is when you can lead them in the Lord and get them baptized right away. Sometimes we're religious about that. Well, they just came to the Lord. We've got to wait on baptism. No, they need power over sin right now. I really challenge you guys. As you're bringing them in, get them baptized in the Holy Ghost as soon as possible. Just make it part of church culture. Amen? Don't have them like, well, let's wait around for a year with no power over sin. That's what a good sinner needs. I thank the Lord. I got baptized within two weeks. 
within two weeks, supernatural, don't have time to talk about it, but just a supernatural experience, baptized in the Holy Ghost. I had to have the Holy Ghost. If I had not had power, I would have not made it. Amen? So we've got to know, we, we've got to give them the power. Amen? And so, in, in John 440... See if I can get there. I think it's well, where are we at? This is about when Jesus had met the woman at the well. But we're going to go down a little bit. And it said in verse 39, 439 says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. And so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word. Now just think Jesus didn't heal anybody. Doesn't say that he healed anybody. Jesus didn't deliver anybody. He gave one word of knowledge about the woman and the fact that she was living with a guy and she'd already had five husbands. One word of knowledge turned the whole town upside down. And Jesus, they wanted him to stay over. Amen. He stayed with them two days. They didn't want him to go. Amen. Let me ask you, if you stayed with two days with somebody, would they be like, oh, is it almost time for them to go? Amen. When are they going to get out of here? Amen. Because, you know, I have a, I'm a little bit of a sinner. And I want them to get out of here so I can go back to my sin. Amen? Or would they want you to stay because you were bringing them something? Amen? That they were having. You were bringing them living water. Amen? You were pouring living water into their life. You were giving them hope. You weren't judging them. You were love. You weren't judging their condition. You weren't judging the condition of their family. You weren't judging the condition of their, of their home. You were just pouring living water on it. Amen? You were pouring out the living water. Amen? And that's what people need. So, let's look at some of the things that were in Jesus that drew sinners. Number one, he had love. Amen. He was walking love. We already talked about compassion. He also gave them forgiveness of sin. When, when you stop and think sometimes, the weight of sin is heavy. When you stop and think sometimes that you can bring to somebody through the spirit the ability to lift all of their sin, all of their shame from their life. Amen? That you carry that, and you can bring that to them to say all your sin can be forgiven. Everything you're ashamed about, all your sin, it can all be forgiven. Amen? All of it. How many people, man, I wanted that. I thought, this is like a deal nobody's ever given me. Everybody's always held everything against me. Always remembered every bad thing I ever did. Would never let me live it down. But Jesus said, we're going to wipe all that away. We're going to just start all over. We're going to have a new beginning. Going to show you how to do this. And I'm going to give you the power to do it. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. He also gave him hope. 
Do you know what a hopeless world we have around us? People are hopeless. They're hopeless in their addiction. They're hopeless in their marriages. They're hopeless in their families. They're hopeless in their finances. They're hopeless with sickness and infirmities. There's, there's hopelessness all around them. But Jesus brought them hope. Amen? He brought them hope. He brought them miracles. He brought them healing. He brought them deliverance. You know, John 14, 16, Jesus says, I am the way, the life, the truth. Jesus brought him life. He not only brought him life here, he brought him eternal life. I mean, oh, come on, people. When you really think, you have the opportunity sometimes just by stopping with a little kindness, a little nice, meet someone, connect to someone. You literally have the power and the ability to offer that person eternal life. We got to stop and check. We're so busy going to church and doing church. We stop and forget that we should be a walking invitation to eternal life. Jesus walked with a walking uh, uh, invitation that this is the way. This is the way to the Father. This is the way to eternal life. This is the way. He was a walking invitation. And sometimes we stop being that. And I understand there's a period of time, many times we're being discipled and different things, but sometimes we don't come out of it and go, go back to evangelizing the people we left, our families, or we're at church. Let me ask you this. Have you ever wanted, like, it, let's say you found somebody and you just like them and you really want to give them a good taste of hospitality, but you know, if you bring them home, your rest of your family is going to give them like a hard time. Do you want to bring them home? I think part of the reason that God God is wanting to readjust the heart of the church because he don't want to bring some people home to the church. I think that's why so much things are being moved and so many moves of God are happening out of regular church things. But yet I I believe in church. I believe it's good. I believe it's the best place for sinners to come and get cleaned up and everything. But would God say this body is a safe place for sinners? Now, I believe it is, and that's why he's putting this on Pastor Brad's heart. But you've got to be that. You've got to keep it that way, because why would he want to bring them home here? Why would he release your anointing on you for evangelism if people would come in here, not feel welcome, not feel comfortable, not not help understand and experience the culture? You know, we almost need like, you know, to assign to people when they come in and they get saved, almost like a tour guide. You know, when you go to another country, I love going with Greg. He's a great tour guide. And he tells us about everything and how this works. And this is this, and this is where this animal comes from. And, you know, he tells us all about Australia. Here's how you should say good day, mate. And, you know, he teaches us. Okay. He's a great tour guide. But a lot of times we have them come in and we don't really give them a tour guide. Okay, we just hope they keep coming back. They see something they like, but we don't, I mean, we we need to like literally have people with badges, you know, or assign people. You are their tour guide. Help them tour. Help. And I'm not talking just the physical building. I'm ha- touring what church, what it's like. 
what it's all about, why we do it. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. How many are you getting excited about maybe ministering to someone and bringing them in? I'm, I'm just going to prophesy and that this church, if you keep moving in the direction that you're moving, this church is going to double in a very quick period of time. In a very quick period of time, this church is going to double. I'm sorry, but you're going to probably have to knock out those walls here, adjust some things. I don't know how you're going to do it. But don't even worry. Don't limit you. God will move with you. If he's got to knock out walls, he'll knock out walls. If he's got to give you bigger buildings, he'll give you bigger buildings. If this becomes a youth building and you have another building, you just keep on moving. Don't, don't, don't limit what you go out and reach for. Don't, when, when, when Jesus told him to put their nets down on the other side, he, 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 he overfilled those nets and brought, he didn't, he didn't say, I'm going to limit your catch. It was an unlimited catch. Amen. They were afraid even the nets were going to break, but they didn't. They, they were able to bring all of those fish in. Amen. So don't worry. Don't worry. Well, I don't know if we've got enough leaders to handle them. God can raise them up quick. Amen. And there's some people who maybe they haven't got there yet, but some new, you know, it's just like a mama. Once you, you, you have a new baby, you become a mother real quick. You can go from a young girl to a mother real quick. Amen. When you have a baby and this church can have some leaders that can move up, step up very quick when they have to do some discipling and be leaders and tour guides and, and help people. So don't just, just do it. Amen. Just do it. I'm so excited. And I believe too, that the spirit of God is going to give you some extremely creative ideas. Amen. Some extremely creative ideas. I believe the young people, I know I prophesied over you last year when I was here, but I believe the, you, you young people, you're going to be a major force in this. A major force, a major part of this evangelistic move. Amen? And it's going to, it's, it's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to, it's going to ignite some things. Amen. And God is going to give you also, he's going to give you multiplication of things. I see you really structuring as you bring people in. There's going to be some really interesting structuring of things, even Barb, things that you would do maybe one-on-one. Now you have a small group and you're doing it with a small group and you're multiplying some of the cleanup work, but you're doing it quick. You're not waiting till they've been in church again five years, and now we're going to get to your stuff. No, and if you just make it, that's just the way church is. The beautiful thing, the lost don't know any better. They, they do not know any better. Did you know any better? I didn't know any better. I just went. I went along for the ride. This is the ride. Okay, I'm going. I wish they had explained the ride to me a little more. Somebody had talked to me, you know. Besides just greet me at the door, you know, nobody. I mean, I was a little lost girl, you know, and I had no idea. You know, I had been to Catholic church as a little girl, you know, but I thought there was Catholics and everybody else. I had no idea. I didn't know anything about anything. I, you have to understand, I'd never seen Christian television. I never listened, had listened to Christian radio had not been around anything. Like I said, Catholic Church, I understood that. I can genuflect. I can make the sign of the cross. Amen. 
But I had no idea about the Bible. I had no idea about, you know, church, church life, Christianity at all. So how are we doing? We're doing good. You guys are hanging in there good. Amen. I am not going to keep you long this morning because I know we're all warm and we have sinners to go after. Amen. So I love the one scripture when, when Paul and, and some of the guys, they were going into this area and they, people said, oh my God, these men are coming to our town. These are the men who have been turning the world upside down. These men have turned the world upside down. Now, how do we apply that to our own life? If you look at, I don't know if I can turn the world upside down, okay? But can you turn somebody's world upside down? So my question today is, whose world have you turned upside down lately? Whose world have you turned upside down lately? Because that's how we turn the world upside down. Jesus turned people's world upside down. Amen? The sinner in the tree, he turned his world upside down. The lady at the well, he turned her world upside down. Because he turned her world upside down, they turned the town upside down. Amen? I, when, again, don't have any more of Don's books to even hold up. But Don, she, she's turning prisons upside down. Amen? She's turning cities upside down. I've seen her turn churches upside down. She, her book is turning lives upside down. Amen? Cass just, she said she read it last night, and she said she's been crying, feels like her whole life has changed, everything, just from reading that book, because the power of God is on it. Amen? Because, because Jesus came in solitary confinement and turned her life upside down. Amen? Whose life are you turning upside down? Sometimes we get so religious, we can't even love our own families. We got families that I don't really want to, you know, all they do is da, da, da. I don't want to be around them. They're just still cursing. They're sinners. Well, they just drink. Well, they're sinners. Well, they don't understand me. I can't really have a conversation with them. No, you can't because you're too religious. You're too religious and you can't even talk to your family anymore. You can't even go to a family event and just relax and have a good time and show them the love of God because you're, you're afraid they're going to get on you. Amen? Sometimes we, we use sinner repellent. Okay? We use our sinner repellent because we're not sure of our own foundation and we're scared if we're around it, we're going to get in it. That's why we need strong... I'm not saying... We need strong sin repellent. Amen? But if you're repelling the sinners, even in your own family, I mean, I've got people that it just takes a little bit. I've got two young women I'm working with right now, late 20s. They've been out there in lifestyle in all kinds of different ways. These two, two very, very different things. They're, I ministered to their, their, their moms and one, one was a couple I've ministered to. And, you know, they're just grieving over their, their daughters and where they're at and God just began to give me a heart. I just began to get faith. I said, I just believe I'm going to be able to 
Maybe someday, maybe one day God will open a door and I'll be able to minister. First one, I, I, she was going to be having, she had a miracle, miracle. She was 27 years old, scheduled for a bone marrow transplant. It took them almost nine months to find um, someone, a donor. She had just gone in. They did the um, core test. Um, she had, I got it. She had just gone to orientation and four days, it was going to be in about four days she was going to be going in. So she had agreed to see me before she went in for this. And so her parents had been praying. We all had been praying. She ends up, they go in for the last meeting before she's going to go. And in three day, three or four days, they're going to start the chemo. Okay. They have to do chemo that basically kills all of her bone marrow before they can do this bone marrow trend. So they basically kill her and then bring her back to life, which takes, and it, we've experienced that with a family member. It's, it's, it, it, it can have a lot of complications. They go into this meeting. Doctor's supposed to come. Doctor comes in, gets the chart. Doctor leaves. Gone for about an hour, and they're wondering, what is going on? Doctor comes back and said, I, I just, I've got to just tell you this. He, she said, we're, we're not going to be able to do a bone marrow transplant. And they're thinking, what, what, what did they find? What did they do? She said, we can't do a bone marrow transplant because you have no sign of cancer in your body. Totally healed. No sign of cancer in her body. Sent, sent them home. Amen. But the Lord opened up the door for me to minister to this young girl. Amen. And her mom, mom thought, well, maybe she'll see you once. And this. Well, now she wants to come back and see me more. This other lady. Her daughter hates counselors. Uh, lots of things had happened in her life. And I said, well, she had just gone through a traumatic experience. When your father holds a gun to your head, okay, her natural father just recently held a gun to her head, um, that can be a little traumatic, amen? And so she was having some things happen. I said, just ask her if she'd be willing to see me. Guess what? Came to see me. Guess what? She really wants to come back to see me. She comes back to see me again. Had an amazing time. And guess what? She wants to come back and see me again. Amen? But I wasn't religious. I didn't tell them they were bad girls, that they had to change their life, that they needed to start living for Jesus. I just began to love them right where they're at, minister to them right where they're at, release the love of God. And guess what? They're kind of drawn to me. Amen? They've even been texting me some. Amen? Because that's, that's the Jesus in us. We have to really connect. See, a lot of times it's we try to go win someone to go, the Lord. So we are going to line up and maybe knock on some doors, hand out some things, and I've got to do this. No, it's when you allow the Jesus in you. Release the Jesus in you. You're like, well, I'm not good at talking to people. He is. I don't know what to say. He does. It's just letting him arise. He can arise. Amen? He really can. And you know what? If he arises, he could just do a miracle. We don't do miracles. He does. Amen? He could do a miracle. 
He could do some deliverance. Amen. He does. Amen. You know, sometimes you could just walk up to somebody and just touch them and they can get delivered right there. Amen. And that spirit of witchcraft just left them. Boom. Or the spirit of infirmity, because Jesus can just touch someone and infirmity can be gone. Amen. It's not you got to get this church or you won't get into it. It's not about you going out trying to do this. It's about letting the Jesus in you go after it. Amen. And he can do it. He can do it. So I want you to just stand to your feet. Okay. And I'm going to give this to you to show your husband. Tell Pastor Brad I preach this message for him. Amen. <laughs> Not that he has sinner repellent. I don't think he does. But um, that just as a reminder that you guys will never start, start wearing sinner repellent. Amen. Amen. So, Father God, I just pray, Lord, I pray for this congregation right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray, Father God, that you are pouring out a spirit of evangelism on this house. You are pouring out your heart for the lost, Lord, that they're not going to be overwhelmed, Father God, but they're going to have the grace. They're going to have the anointing. They're going to have the resources, God. And Lord, they're not going to be afraid that it's going to be too much, Lord. They're not going to be afraid that they don't know how to do it, God. But their hearts are going to burst with your heart, God. That they are going to feel your heart, your compassion, your anointing, Lord God. And that you are going to begin to draw sinners to this house. That you're going to begin to draw sinners to these people, Lord God. And Lord God, that you are going to set up divine appointments, just like you had divine appointments, God, that you are going to set up divine appointments, Lord. I see people who have never even met their neighbors, meeting their neighbors and them being touched. I see people even in the workplace that you've never even talked and God's going to open up a door and you're going to be able to talk in the right way, in the right time, the right place. I see family members that that have been turned off by your religion, but that are going to be drawn by this spirit that's going to be operating on this body. In shikarama shiriyama rekiaso, hiliyama rekiaso koroshiriyada. I thank you, God, that this church is going to turn some lives upside down. Amen. They're going to turn some lives upside down. And Lord, they are people who have had their lives turned upside down. They know what it is like to finally find Jesus, to finally find hope, to finally find the way to life and eternal life, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pastor Sarah, just come up here and just stand in for Pastor Brad and you and just for this house now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So cool. She, 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 she. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, they've got the apostolic and prophetic down pat. Lord, they have the pastoring is they've got it, God. 
even teaching, Lord. But this evangelism now, Lord God, we just pray that it's going to flow. I pray that even evangelists, fivefold evangelists would be drawn to this church. And Lord, they would know what to do with them, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just release this flow of your spirit. We release this anointing into this house now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let the river flow. Let the river flow, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. She 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 di yada da 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 yande. He di yada da 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 yande. Thank you, Lord. I want to just take a minute before we leave today. I know it's warm and things, but I want to take one minute, and I want to I want to just get into some intercession for souls because it all starts. Evangelism starts with prayer. Evangelism starts with prayer. Amen. We've got to pray for the lost. And I want I want you to just really say, Lord, not just me praying for the lost, but Jesus, I want to draw on your heart, your intercession, your prayer for the lost. Can we just do that? Can we just activate this? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we cry out for souls right now, God. Lord, we just ask, Father God, for the lost, Lord. We ask for those, God, who need you, for those who don't know you, God. Lord, give us a heart, God. Roma kashiri da 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 Iliama da 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 We thank you for a spirit of evangelism on this house. Roma kashiri amarekiaso. Roma kashiri amarekiada da 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 da. Lord, it's time to build. Lord, it's time to expand. Lord, it's time to grow the house. Lord, it's time to expand your kingdom, Lord God. Lord, we just release the nets of God to go and begin to pull and draw those in. In Jesus' name, Lord, Lord, release supernatural nets, supernatural nets to this house, oh God. Lord, multiply. Lord, and let, not be, let it be about us that we want to evangelize to grow our church, but Lord, we want to evangelize because they're lost, they're broken, they're hurting, they're going to hell. They're going to hell. God, that we have your heart, that they would not be lost, that we would seek that which is lost, that we would seek that which is lost, that we would seek your children, Father. Oh, that we would help your children come back to the Father. Oh, shakaramashidiyadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadadad
Shili Amarekia Soko. He Shikiri Amarekia Soko Koko Ko. Shikiri Amarekia. Thank you, Jesus. No, I just had a vision of Jesus. And he just said, Thank you. Thank you. And as you do this, he's going to be saying, Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that word. You know, I love the way God confirms his word. One of the things Pastor Brad and Sarah shared is that we've never been on building the house by numbers. It's never been about numbers. It's been about growing, imparting, and equipping you individually, seeing you set free. And then the Lord spoke to them this year and said, it's time to grow the house. It's time to grow the house. And then Pastor Brad preaches that message last week. If you weren't here last week, you're part of this church, you need to listen to it. He preaches that message on evangelism about the wedding, that we're engaged. Come on, going out, inviting people. And then Greg gets up and brings a word, you are a living invitation. Come on, did you get that this morning? Dr. Kathy said, living, God's confirming what he's doing in our house. Come on. He's come. That's good to know where it's time. It's time. So when God confirms us, it's not just Pastor Brad and Sarah getting hyped up and wanting to double the church so they look good. No, it's never been about that. It's God's time. So when it means it's God's time, when we grab a hold of it, you can evangelize like you've never evangelized. If you couldn't evangelize before, you can now. Why? Because there's the power to do it. There's an anointing to do it. It's the time to do it. Come on, grab hold of that this morning, that you may never have evangelized. You may never have had, just felt like I can't say anything. But as Dr. Kathy said, it's not about you. It's the power in you. Come on, you're a living invitation. You've got the living Jesus in you. Now, Lord, I thank you. You've released that to the house this morning. Father, we grab a hold of that anointing. Father, that we are a living invitation. Lord, I thank you where we've even may not have been able to. We'll get the mindset now, Father, that is broken. It's not us. It's you. Lord, as we step out, you are there. You will speak. You will flow. You will demonstrate your power. Now, Lord, I thank you because the anointing is here, because this is a season that forever house is in. It's time to evangelize. Come on. It's time to build the house. Father, we thank you for 
glory, Lord. Now receive that anointing. Come on, receive it. And when you receive it, see, when uh, Elisha received it, come on, when he received the mantle, what did he do? He did the very thing that Elijah did. He threw down the mantle and had a miracle. Come on, had a miracle. So this week, come on, you've received that anointing. You need to step out this week and evangelize. Come on, believe God for an opportunity. Believe God for the power. Come on, he used it. He used it. Come on, the first thing Elisha did, he used what he'd received. You've received it this morning. Now believe God this week. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use it. Father, I thank you for it. We honor you. We worship you. We're excited about what you're doing in Forever House. We're excited, Father, because Lord, having new Christians around, Lord, they have a zeal. They have a passion. They have a gratefulness. And Lord, they put us on fire again. Lord, there's no greater joy than leading someone to you, Father God. Now, I thank you. You're releasing it in the house, Father. We're expectant. We give you glory, Father. We give you glory. Everybody said... Amen. Well, just before we finish, we want to receive a love offering for Dr. Kathy. I know many of you who were here on the weekend have already given, but this is an opportunity for those that weren't here. I don't want you to miss out. You know, when you want to receive something. She carries an amazing mantle and anointing. You can't get tomatoes if you don't put a seed in the ground to grow them. Come on. So we want to receive of that anointing. But more than that, we want to bless her. Come on. We should always be giving hearts to bless people. So we're going to pray. Father, we thank you for Dr. Kathy. We thank you for the anointing upon her life. We thank you for all that she's done and imparted. Lord, the price she's paid, Lord, to bring these nuggets to us, to bring this revelation even to us and to many others. Lord, I thank you for right now. I pray your blessing upon her, Lord, as we give to her, that, Lord, we're sowing in good ground. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, ushers. You're ready for that. Amen. I'm just going to minister to you. Can you, or you can record it for her. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you. Um, Josiah, you come to as soon as you're going to be 16, we better give you a word from the Lord, hey? <laughs> Father, I thank you right now for Dr. Kathy. I thank you for the anointing upon her life. And Father, I thank you even now for what you're doing in and through her. And Lord, I thank you. You know, I feel like the Lord is saying multiplication, multiplication, multiplication. But the Lord says, daughter, this time you're doing it smarter. God says, I've downloaded new ideas and fresh things to get the word out, to get everything out. And the Lord said before, you kind of got worn out. You're going here and going there and you're trying to do everything. And even that's how the book come staying fresh because you you just were worn out because there's so many needs and but Lord says you've done some things but God says I'm going to give you even greater ideas how to get it out and the Lord says it's going to reach to many nations across the earth and the Lord you'll be I see you just um, sitting with with um, um, with uh, sorry sitting down with Apostle Rodney and just sitting there and you're like wow it's gone to this part of the earth and I see sometimes it's like Apostle Rodney getting out a little map where 
where is this place that you don't even know, but you know that you're uh, the training tools and everything that you've done of going, you've had a heart to go to the ends of the earth, but it's physically not possible for you to do that with the time and everything else you're doing. But Lord says, I'm sending out creative ways. I'm sending ways of getting you into all different places and cross different lines. And Lord said, they'll even, I see that there'll be even a, a country where they will take, you'll do video recordings and they will take them and put them on the TV station as a series of every week. And people will be certain. The Lord says, so you better keep, I just feel like God's saying, now you've got to raise up other people as well. You've got to raise them up. And God said, there's going to be, and he's, even as you said, uh, I saw even as that word went out, the one-on-one, the Lord says, you're going to have masses of trainers come in. God said that I feel like it'll even be like a yearly conference, a yearly event that will just be for the trainers. You'll bring them in, you'll train them, it'll be intensified. They'll come in for a week and you'll train them. And that's what they're doing. It'll be a mass thing. And Lord says, it'll work, it'll do it. And God says, don't worry about some of it. Might have, oh, well, they're a little bit green. But God said, it's the same thing. It's the power. They'll get out there and they'll do it. And the Lord says, and I'll reproduce and reproduce. And the network will help others and, and they'll strengthen each other and say, well, this is what I did. And so Lord says, you. Well, I feel like the seasons you've had, even the trials you've been through has been to develop what you have. The Lord says, you've been through a lot. Even after saved, you've been through so much. But the Lord says, it's all been for, you know, nothing is wasted in God's economy. And it's like all things work for his good. And I feel like there's, there's one question. You're like, God, well, what was that about? And he said, all things work for my good. And the Lord says, you don't get it now, but you will get it. God says, I'm working on that in the background on your behalf. And the Lord said, you'll see. It wasn't wrong. You didn't miss God. You didn't. It wasn't a mistake. God says, it was my, you heard my voice. And, Lord, and I feel like you've even said, well, God, we know your voice. You know, we know. And we knew. We, we, you know, we were hesitant to even do some things, but we heard your voice and we did it. So what was it about? And God said, you will see. You will see. And God says, I want to take away every bit of doubt. You heard my voice. You heard my voice. You heard my voice. And Lord says, even it's been the voice of others that have come against and said this, this, and started to bring the, Lord, I break off every accusation right now. Lord, even as it says, Isaiah 54, that we can condemn every word of judgment against us. Father, I thank you right now. And we condemn every word of judgment that it's come up against her. And Father, I thank you right now, Lord, that you, you, you know, God is saying, it's, you haven't seen anything yet. There's a purpose. There's a purpose. I hear the Lord saying that everything that you have gone through is even pointing towards this season right now. And I saw you on a launching pad, you and Rodney, and I feel like oh, this has been, everything has been come to this point and every, there's, been, there's expectation, there's everyone is ready to, to see. And there's, it's almost like there's been a couple of failures. It's like, oh, well, we can't go because of this. And, we, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, people have started to leave and gone, whatever. But God is saying, son and daughter, this is a brand new season right now. For Lord says, I have got all systems go. 
grow. And I feel like this is going to be the season where you're going to start to be shot forward and uh, you're going to reach uh, such a quick level in such a short time. And the Lord says, I'm launching a new level in you. There's a new level of authority. There's a new level of anointing. There's a new level of, uh, of vision and passion that's coming upon you. And I see not just new books, but I see new, uh, new uh, teaching manuals that, that are signed to flow out of you. And the Lord said, and at this time, there's going to be more going to be uh, uh, seeing you. You're going to be seen more than you have in the past. And and sometimes you think, well, you know, there was a season where I, you know, I was I was known for all, a whole lot of other things. But God says, that's right. But now you're going to be known for a whole lot of other things. And these other things are going to be my things. These are going to be ones that are going to set people free. So the Lord says, now it's time just to keep focused because the Lord says, yeah, don't go to the left or to the right, but keep me, keep focus. And God says, I will lead you into the promises that I have spoken over you and Rodney's lives for those all those years. God says, everything is coming to this point right now where God says, you will be blessed abundantly physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually. I see every part coming into alignment right now. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you right now. Lord, there's no distance in the spirit. And Father, we thank you, Father, as you down, just release and give a fresh charge uh, upon Dr. Kathy and Apostle Rodney right now. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, for what you have called upon them, that they are ones who are carriers of your glory, carriers of your anointing right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Father, we just bless Josiah right now, Father. We thank you, Lord. And even as his namesake, Father, was a, a young king. as He was a young boy who was put in position of authority and a put position of rulership and, and leadership. And, and he set things right that weren't uh, right. I hear the Lord saying, Josiah, you know, that is upon you. And, and sometimes you felt like, God, I don't want this. as too much responsibility. But now the Lord says, I'm asking you again. And I feel like there's a, new, there's a new answer coming out of you because you mature. You're more mature now. And You've got, a, you've got a mature head upon these young shoulders. But the Lord says, son, it's not just going to be you. But God says, I'm raising up others around about you, that you're part of a team, that you're not just going to be out on your own. And this team, I see, is going to be a strong team, young people that have got that love God, hate religion, but they, they just want to do the things of God, and that they are ones who will come in underneath the, uh, the, the loving guidance of, of the mums, the dads, and, and the mentors, and those ones around about. So God says, son, in this season right now, just as you have got a, a new shirt, God says, I'm giving you new garments even today. Yet I'm taking off the old. You've outgrown the old. Now God says, I'm putting on the brand new garments, the brand new authority, the brand new anointing. You know, you, you're going to go back this uh, different, even though you've only had a few days over here. But God says, you're going to go back with a greater confidence, with a greater boldness, and even with a greater authority and knowing where you're going. Because God is, I feel like he's given you direction over these last few days. And you're going to sit and you're going to reflect on some things. And God's going to give you very defining direction in what he wants you to do and where he wants you to go. And God says, son, yeah, you are anointed in music and your songs will be sung in, in churches around nations. And God says, son, I'm going to even put you on the, on the, uh, the, in the media. And the Lord says, why? Because you are one who can handle... Uh, 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 the, the, um, the, the glory, says God. 
Because you're not just about, look at me, look at what I can do. You're about, God, look at what you can do in me. And you show that and you share that and you reflect that into others. And you say, listen, you can do this as well. As long as you've got God in your life, all things are possible. You are going to be that example that God is sending out into this world. Just you just quickly come. I want one of our young people to minister as well. But one thing I hear the Lord saying too is that he is your father. I am your father. And the Lord says, I, I am the father. God says, I'll give you everything that you need, any need that you have, any instruction. God says, you come to me, I'll give. And the Lord says, son, I'm even putting that father's heart strong in you. And the Lord says, you will father, you will recognize orphan spirit. You'll recognize young guys that are alone and have not had a father's love or known that father's love. And the Lord says, you received it. You have received it from me, but I'm taking it to a greater level. The Lord said, just like Joshua, he hung around the tent. God says, you're hanging around and you're part of the Joshua and Caleb generation. So the Lord says, and then you will be a father and you will lead different and you will be different, God said. You'll lead the generation, not in an old way, but in a new way. Thank you, Lord. I just, just want to add to that, just again, knowing the background of Josiah in the Bible. You know, it says that that he 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 based himself on his father David. Now, his natural father wasn't David. His natural father was a terrible guy, a wicked wicked king. But he said that he did everything like his father David. See, there was a generational thing that he saw something in the generations that I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that man and God says son that's you you do the same you do the same and so God says you're going to you're going to align yourself with that godly alignment hallelujah Josiah instantly heard big brother I hear the father saying you are going to be a big brother to those that don't have a brother that don't even have a father around them and I see you just pouring your love into them as if they were your own family and I just see you even singing over them and I can see them being like three years old and I just see you even reading the bible over them and singing prophetic words over them and I just see you just pouring that love of the father into their lives and I can even see kids growing up in gangs that you're going to get around them and they're just going to go you know what I don't want that life anymore I want what you have so father I just thank you for that big brother anointing that big brother upon his life Lord that he's just going to pour so much love into these kids that even these kids growing up in drug addict homes I just see these kids coming to you and being like How can I be free? How can I be like you? I want to follow God like you do. You are going to be an inspiration to so many people around you. And don't count your age as young. Don't think just because you're young, you can't be used. Because God's going to use you so powerfully at such this age that, you know, people even in their 20s are going to look to you. They're going to look to you going, I just want to get around this kid because there's something on his life. So, God, we just thank you for that fresh anointing over his life, even these kids that are going to come to him, Lord. And you're just going to pour your love into Josiah, and he's just going to pour it right back out into them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.